0: Well, well, well. Before we start the show, I want to introduce you to a new show, Are You Sure? The Films of Polly Shore. It is a limited podcast series about the six major studio films starring Polly Shore. We're talking your Encino Man, Son in Law, Biodome, and three others. It's hosted by a friend of the show, Joe Schiappa, a very funny and nice gentleman who's written for True TV, MTV, and IFC, and it features great guests. Like friends of the show, Aaron Whitehead and Mary Houlihan. I listened to the Mary Houlihan episode just this very morning, where they talk about the Goofy movie. And it's a really fun and funny show. It's very conversational and light. I really enjoyed it. And episodes are like 30-ish minutes, so 30 minutes. Quick, breezy, nice. Highly recommend it. And even better, episodes are available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Again, are you sure? The films are probably sure. Go listen now where you get your podcasts. Bye. This is Social Discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guest and I discuss our lives. Amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves, I am Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a co-founder of the Forever Dog Podcast Network, which is home to many great podcasts like Double Threat, Podcast the Ride, Three Swings, and American Arts and Culture Review, amongst many others, as well as the producer of the Entre and Three Swings and producer data analyst and front of house for <laughs> Double Threat. He's a noted Hugh Grantsman and a reeling Atlanta Hawks fan. Please welcome Brett Boehm. Welcome.
1: Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. You got about 2 out of my 20 credits for double threat. Um so you can just add the other <laughs> other uh, 18 in later in post, but uh yeah. I
0: had to go to the most recent highlights. Yeah, <laughs> there are exponentially more and I'm sure by the time this conversation is done, somehow there may even be five more. It's just amazing, you know, as as they occur, you realize just the the totality of, of your responsibility for that show.
1: I mean, soon I'm just going to be doing Tom's groceries every week, you know. <laughs> so it, it's it's get it's getting crazy. And I mean, look, and I don't ask for these responsibilities. I just get I wake up to emails where it's like, you know. I gotta go out of town for the weekend. Can you watch my dog? I mean, it's just getting ridiculous over there. Uh, but Can I signed it. placards for my book. Exactly. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I'm so excited for that book. Oh, oh it funny. never very ends. Soon. I know. Uh, Pre-order it where you get books.
0: Cannot wait. I've not been excited for a book that excited for a book in quite some time. So I'm very much looking forward to that. What an absolute legend! Both he and Julie Klausner. He's the best.
1: He's the best. I got a little sneak peek at it, and I it is it is somehow exceeded my expectations. You know, I've been oh, a Shar- Sharpling fan for forever, um, and Same. It, is, it, it is incredible. It is like the Tom you know and love, and also some things you didn't know about Tom that are going to make you love him even more. So definitely, uh, if you're a Sharpling fan, or if you're a comedy fan, uh, or you're just a reading fan, <laughs> it never ends.
0: Yeah can't uh oh, can't wait and i'm so deeply jealous of people who got their books early where because yeah. there some people got i'm like oh man just felt deep-seated jealousy in a in a beautiful way well speaking but, of
1: deep-seated jealousy this, oh, a, here this isn't about this isn't about tom tom's not on this show what are we doing <laughs> you're right
0: you're absolutely right thank <laughs> you for saying what's funny is that in the original intro i wrote i had uh keen purveyor of segues in there as well so <laughs> there we go so there we go we're already living up to the, uh, the unbuilt promise yeah
1: <laughs> it's a disease
0: i don't know once you get that little jolt of it it's really hard to get away from it you know oh it's fun uh, it's fun
1: yeah it's like you're going down a water slide and you hit a turn really fast and it's like whew, and then you're just into a new it's like the rush of momentum you get out of doing it you know it's love i recommend to everybody throw it into conversation a keen segue. The lightest uh, form of God complex, yes, <laughs> yeah. is the segue. <laughs> um, yeah, people are like, "Wait, we weren't done talking about the other thing." It's like, "Nope, too late. You can't. You can't reverse a segue once it happens."
0: I'm sorry, but I've been zigging and you're zagging, so we are on two <laughs> different pages at the moment. I already asked the question, I guess, reflexively, but the um, deeply unfair, easy to ask, difficult to answer question: How are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing great, man, to be honest. Yeah. I, and I know, I know it's obnoxious to hear that from someone else cause we all love a little bit of schadenfreude, you know, in our lives, but, um, I, I, I won't lie. I'm doing really well right now. Uh, uh, we've got, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first kid in, in yes. uh, September, which is very cool. Um, and obviously there's a lot of stress that comes along with that, uh, her so more than me. Um, but I'm trying to share in that as much as possible. Um, uh, cause I'm a glutton for punishment and, uh, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing great. I mean, it's sort of, you know, our, you know, my whole life's kind of revolving around, around that right now. And, and so far so good. So, um, but yeah, I, I, that, that kind of just, you know, it's one of those, uh, perception shifting uh, moments obviously and so yeah. um but but yeah yeah i'm doing really well thanks
0: congratulations by the way that's thank very you. exciting thank you appreciate, like, it. So exciting. appreciate it and also it must be nice though in a way i guess to at least have the option to go out that we're more on the the relative downhill slide of all this leading up to that so then you know because at least mentally to know you can do a thing even if you don't do it goes a long way
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's one of the one of the things I'm looking forward to is like, you know, because we all get a little ossified in our lives, you become a little hermetic. I mean, regardless of quarantine, you you just sort of it's just, you know, you know, uh, symptom of getting older and settling into a place. And so uh, I am yeah, really looking forward to kind of like, you know, going out and doing a lot of stuff going back to muse- museums i've been to before you know when my kids are old enough to do that and going to uh ball games and going to this and that and concerts and all that stuff so i think yeah like uh i'm, I'm looking forward to uh, you know as as sentimental as it sounds kind of rediscover uh the outside world <laughs> through, with oh. with a, with a kid in tow and and through the through their eyes so um it should be uh yeah so i'm i'm definitely looking forward to it i'm glad quarantine uh Uh, didn't end up being permanent there was certainly a a point which I thought well this is it this is our entered pod life and we all just live in in our hermetic cubes for the rest of existence Um, uh, as we were warned about by every you know dystopian um, sci-fi movie ever but um, but yeah so glad to know that's not the case and looking forward to getting out there and uh, getting back into the world
0: yeah, I was gonna ask that because California recently reopened or opened back up, whatever the preferred phraseology is, but how has that been? Or is it you you at least had the option to do more things, but have you been doing them?
1: I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I was in Texas last weekend for, for a baby shower, and so it was it was the contrast was was interesting. Um, yeah, because uh are <laughs> uh um in texas everything is everything is just everything is just it's like nothing happened basically in texas everything is open and everybody's out in packs with no masks on i didn't see like really any masks at all out in in texas um and then in california everything is open there's just a little bit more tentativeness you know a lot of people the majority of people you see out still have masks on there are you know uh, most places you go to you still need to wear a mask so there's a little bit more remnants of quarantine out here um but yeah i mean um my wife and i went to disney two weeks ago that was very interesting um uh because they're like you know 30 percent capacity only people from california were allowed in mm. um and we're like well we're never gonna see disney this empty ever so let's 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 <laughs> yeah. go and so um that was really interesting um um but yeah yeah it's kind of um it's it's you know it's happening it's happening the world is coming back it's out there people are are sticking their heads out but um yeah i would assume at this point it's going to be a snowball effect where within another month or two it's just back to normal here
0: i yeah i can imagine that i um i, I know for me that we're you know it's arkansas and uh there are interesting responses that people are having to it i guess to some degree like any other place but we're very lucky in our relative lack of population density. That goes a long way to allow things to not have spread as much, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, it still was really bad, and it was one of the worst states out there for a time. But unfortunately, it feels like almost every state had their turn to be in that top mm-hmm. 10 at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I think for me, I'm still hesitantly going out there, but I, I still have a long ways to go for that. Yeah. It's amazing how, for being a social person like I am, that for 37 years prior to that, I was that, and how 15 months can undo so much.
1: <laughs> it's yep. wild. It It is truly, and it's like, it's... Um... My, my big concern always too was just particularly because my, my wife found out she was pregnant in january um of this year <laughs> um and so and she was already uh, you know slightly immunocompromised and so being pregnant and being a little immunocompromised my i've just been paranoid this whole year that i'm gonna get it and give it to her it was like my big constant paranoia yeah um and so that i think i tend to be a little bit more reckless with my own health unfortunately and so like i think if it was just me alone I would probably be embracing the return to society a lot more, uh, openly, but knowing that there is like, you know, like if, if you follow basketball, like, you know, we saw like Chris Paul, I think just got COVID after being vaccinated. So it's like, yeah. okay, this is still like, this is still a thing. Even post vaccination, this is still a, a, something you can get. And so with that in mind, um, uh, you know, like I was wearing a mask around Texas all week. Um, uh, even though like, just like just completely standing out uh, uh um but uh I, I yes i don't know i'm just i'm just a little more still still a little more cautious about it just because you know uh of the 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 slim but still present chance that i could uh, you know contract and give it to give it to my wife so um yeah so it's still it definitely has not disappeared as a as a as a source of anxiety despite you know this this semi return to normalcy uh,
0: yeah no i know exactly what you mean and Obviously, you have so many other considerations only, you know, to your point, just yourself for that. And honestly, as as somebody who is immunocompromised and, yeah, frightened and vaccinated, fully vaccinated, but still frightened. Yes, I'm frightened of getting it as anybody would be. And I know there are the Delta and now Delta Plus, which is Mm -hmm. weird streaming-esque phraseology delta plus yes. yeah. like maybe a weird maybe a, a different name paradigm there maybe, maybe that would be good
1: yeah I'm, I'm sure delta airlines doesn't doesn't appreciate that either <laughs> yeah
0: yeah first they went for corona and now they're going for delta yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no our noted institutions right are right going. yeah 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 everybody's favorite yeah. things what's next budget rent a car It's right. gonna happen <laughs>
1: <laughs> Start at the top. Start with the the, the, the most lucrative uh, companies, and then go. To, if you're gonna name it after anybody, it should have been that. It should have been, been the SpaceX virus, the Amazon virus, the Tesla virus, whatever. Um, Please, yes, yeah. let's do yeah. that. Let's Stop let's pick some... poor Delta. I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know how I got to that argument.
0: But, <laughs> yeah. It's weird how it's like the lesser of all of these enemies, and Delta is. It, it speaks to how nefarious so many enemies are that Delta is not the highest on the list by any stretch. I know. I know. And meanwhile my knowledge of rental car services is such that I was thinking of, <laughs> what would be number one if for some reason my brain went to Alamo? I don't even know if that's in business anymore. I think I'm just thinking when I was, I don't know. Now I'm curious for the first time in my life whether Alamo is thriving or not.
1: And it took me a while to come around, because Delta is one of the, one of like the top three Atlanta companies, you know, it's like Delta, Coca-Cola, CNN, all the Turner, you know, um, broadcasting stuff. And so it took, so growing up, I was like, ah, Delta, the great, the great Delta, you know, it's like like you're indoctrinated into that early. Yeah. uh, and so yeah, it took me a while to come around, uh, come around on Delta, but uh, but um, yeah, because I was raised to see them as as like the the all giving, the all giving father company of of uh, of the world, but um,
0: well, I'm I'm in that position with Walmart, so oh yeah, 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 yeah where start off like Walmart, you know, like weird like civic pride or something, and right. in this company that is only not in the news for being deeply resentful, if not spiteful to their workers, only because Amazon is exponentially worse somehow. Right, right. Like it's all just so much to process, but it's like, it's a, it's a terrible corporation.
1: Yeah. And I still, I mean, I, I still see a Pepsi and like, and like, I'm like, Psh, Pepsi. I'm like, then I'm like, what is wrong with me? What I, what I give a shit about, <laughs> like, about these like gigantic you know soda brands. Um, but you know, it's like, you gotta be, I think it's particularly when you come from like, you know, because if you come from like the Bay Area, I'm sure no one you don't care because everything comes, you know. There's so many yeah. companies that come from there. But like you come from a, you know, uh, the South or a, or a, a you know a town outside of the major centers of industry, and you sort of hold a little tighter to your, you know, because it's like <laughs> anything that like remotely smacks of civic pride, you're like, yeah, Delta. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I've got the great top two of Walmart and the Clintons, so I'm
1: really, oh just, yeah, I'm nailing it right now. Well, and it's you perfect. had uh, you had there was it Tyson. There yeah, some, there's true. some there's co- some company yes. that like Clinton Tyson was foods, like yeah. yeah yeah one of one of Bill Clinton's many uh and I don't like the like I can't I can't do the Clintons but like I because I like <laughs> the funny thing about the Clintons is like you can't you don't want to you don't want to like like play into right-wing you know conspiracy theories about the Clintons but then like Bill is just like so Bill has so much shit and so you're like ugh, but can, is there like some middle ground I can find where I can like I can, like, criticize Bill Clinton's, you know, history of entanglements without, like, playing into, like, right-wing, you know, um, yeah. own, own the libs kind of stuff. Um, I feel like I, somehow, I, yeah. so I
0: was to say, to your point, I feel like somehow out of all of the right-wing, like, narratives they go with the Clintons, they don't really emphasize the more obvious one in the Epstein flight logs. So I feel like that's, a, that's somehow a middle ground. Yes, somehow.
1: Yeah, because I want to be like all these people that are focusing on Seth Rich. I want to be like, uh, guys, there's like, there's like, why are you, why are you focusing on like the least like credible uh, of, of all the <laughs> yeah. conspiracy theories? It's like uh, Epstein stuff. Like, and and I was gonna say like I I had I've read like that he was like had some weird dealings with like Tyson Chicken about like I don't know giving them some like. I don't know. Some like, like contracts sort of, or something. Yeah, some like suspicious okay. dealings between the government and Tyson Chicken and, and stuff that like, uh, you know, um, sweetheart deals and things like that. But um, and it may have gone farther than that. I don't know. Look it up. Google Bill Clinton <laughs> and Tyson Chicken. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the uh, it's funny in a weird way. I feel like maybe the reason they would go with they wouldn't go with the Epstein flight logs is because they can't ring. It's it's not abstract enough. It's so defined. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, we know what this is, and then they can't wring anything out of it for weeks and weeks and weeks.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas, like the Seth Rich thing, I guess what they benefit from is a lack of anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't even think because it hasn't been solved, right? It's like they just they're just like we think it was a botched robbery. Is like the is like the closest. Um, yeah. They they came to a, to a solution of it, so that leaves that is just like an open playing field uh, for. For your Alex Joneses, for your Dan Bongino's, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So, so (laughs) go at it, go at it, boys. Have a have a ball, have a blast. You got one life to live, and this is how you're choosing to do it. Whatever. Yes, and
0: thankfully, all these um, quote unquote comedians slash podcasters are just having Alex Jones come back on their podcast now because, which is oh yeah, like I mean, it's like both. It's both like what is happening, but also,
1: of course it's what they all it's what they 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 always wanted i mean this has been said a hundred times by people smarter more incisive than me but like 90 percent of alt-right pundits are just failed comedians or actors yeah. they like all started out um uh because yeah no wonder they like they, they 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 their big thing is like the you know the elite coat like you know coastal elites and all this stuff is because those are the people that like rejected them from pursuing their dreams and so um you know so anyway it's, uh, you know, Shapiro, Alex Jones, all these guys, they're just, like, stand-up comedians, and this is, like, their routine. This is, like, their bit, and so, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and
0: even more interestingly, like, Shapiro specifically is a failed screenwriter. Yeah. Which is, is fascinating.
1: Yeah, and didn't Bannon didn't Bannon have some crazy script that never I mean obviously he had all the Seinfeld money, but like I think he had some script that some like musical, like a hip hop version of Othello or something. That's not completely <laughs> off. That that's like a that might be a centimeter off, but I think what I just said is like essentially true. So um yeah, I think I think Bannon was working on some like hip hop version of a Shakespeare play or something and like anyway. <laughs> guys, these people these people are Yeah, it's we've just and I think quarantine speaking of quarantine, I think quarantine was like was a dream scenario for them. I mean, that really is like, you know, I mean, what a what a just perfect situation where like everybody's kind of separated. All of your, you know, everybody is a little bit more media saturated than usual because no one's going outside. Um, And and you just have this you have this thing that is just rife for dumb conspiracy theories. Um, And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah like yeah it
0: was such a perfect scenario yeah to like just to mold very vulnerable susceptible and like willing minds to to do that and man did people have time in their hands and like it's just all
1: whew. exactly no that's that's it and like i was and that's like you know why i think you know it was such a it was such a like breath of relief uh you know when biden won because i was like i going into it i was like this 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 dude might do it again because everybody's just been hooked up you know to the sewer for the last year just mainlining crap off the internet and 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 everywhere else i was like if they did it when everybody was like out and about this seems like a better like a better setup for them to like um you know to, to put another one over on us um uh but i think they just pushed it too far i think they just like they didn't they they you know um i think it was just yeah um which is yeah which is anyway i don't know why <laughs> this is probably not why you had had me no. on <laughs> what <laughs> if it are, what if it was yeah. and i was
0: like oh no <laughs> i'm just trying to backdoor to get you to talk about the, the alt-right and q and on yeah. So, this is perfect. I mean, we I mean, look, the podcast now.
1: There you go. Yeah. I mean, look, if we're talking about quarantine. It's been a lot of this, a lot of this inside, inside, uh, inside my head for the last year, as I'm, I'm sure that's the same for everybody. It's just, uh, truly. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've lived very much in the, in the, you know, spent a large part of my time in the sewer the last year, just the sewer of, <laughs> of the internet and, and the alt right and politics and all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, it's just hard. You know, I guess it's like anything else. Like, as much as, to some degree, they were trying to find something to get lost in. I was getting lost in both reading about them, reading about this stuff. Yep. And just yep. what's that, the mind of somebody like that. But, uh, and also just watching a lot of movies. That's what I did for the most part. Yep. And this yep. podcast, that was my big three, I guess.
1: That's a, you know, that's a, that's a, uh, I mean, that's not a bad, that's not a bad big three. Because th- this is good. Because you get th- this, you get, you need, I mean, you realize how, how important conversation is how important like absolutely um because yeah conversation is like it's like context because the big thing i think that's the big thing that people missed um in quarantine at least the big thing i missed was just like the ever-expanding context of being out in the world and meeting people and interacting in situations and doing things it's like you know it's so essential because you just without it without context you just you are you become your own context and that's just like a shortcut to just a sort of the death spiral of like narcissism and anxiety and this and that. And, and, um, uh, so it's nice to, I'm sure it was nice to have this. Um, and it was, for me, it was nice to have podcasting because, you know, uh, it was remote and somewhat surreal, but at least I was hopping on the zoom with people, uh, you know, even if if I was just there to listen and check the levels, you know, you're you're on zoom with other people. and, And then, and then suddenly you're, you're getting, you're getting context. You're getting outside of your own head. Um, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's so necessary. And, and, uh, um, you know, I had friends during quarantine that I could tell just, we're sort of getting, you know, we're not getting that. We're just getting more and more isolated. And it's just like, it just sucks. It's just like a death spiral. Um, and it's so so, easy to get, it's so easy to get in that
0: too, because like, you know, as somebody with, and this is in no way, obviously unique to me with anxiety and depression. It's so easy when you're in it, it's like, it's going to last forever. And then, you know, and then you're out of it and you have the context of not being in it. And just like, man, that was bad luck. But also like, thank God. And, and that is easier than ever in a world with being quarantined and away from people and which is incredibly unnatural as humans to not. Interact with people, be sociable, be around, have that mutual energy to feed off that. And and to your point, like, yes, for me, and like you said, for yourself, podcasting at least can bridge that gap to some extent, because otherwise you're in this like infinite feedback loop and the internet makes it easier than ever for confirmation bias to be a thing to where you have to search out alternatives. Otherwise you're right about everything and then you have no context or purpose.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas like if you're just in conversation with people, you know, those alternatives come up naturally i think uh you know i mean not like not not in a a sort of wild far ranging extent because you're still sort of around people that share your you know your general perception of the world but even just small things like learning about other people's parts of the world learning about people's you know where they came from what they're up to you know stuff they're stuff they're watching stuff they're reading um you just having that that constant constantly expanding context for your own experiences is just so so important to just staying to staying kind of uh, to, to being a real, real person and being yeah, like yeah. A- empathetic and and all of these things that we need, so that we don't just you know drown in our own in our own filth. So, um, <laughs> you know, so yeah. But it's um. So th- there was at least sort of imitations of that, um. You know, through Zoom, through podcasting. Um. But but I'm I'm looking forward to getting back getting back to the real thing, um. And um. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of podcasting, I want to ask about Forever Dog the. Yeah. podcast network you co-founded that launched March, 2016. Oh yeah. I've never talked to anybody who runs a podcast network. So I'm fascinated by that. And I'm a fan of a number of the podcasts on that network too, which is even better. This is the most basic question I have. What is the origin of the name forever dog?
1: Um, I wish I had a better story for you, but it, it was, it, it truly just word association. I think we, we were, um, and I, I started it, uh, and continue to run it with, um, um, my two pals, Joe and Alex. Um, and, We were sitting around, because it started... This would have been back in 2012, because we originally started out doing, like, theater like kind of underground theater and like comedy productions in New York. Um, so we just had a lot of, we were kind of in those scenes and then we just saw how talented and incredible everyone was. And everyone, everyone's always like scrambling like around trying to do stuff and put stuff together. So our initial idea was let's put together like a little production company, you know, quote unquote, whatever that means. We had no money, yeah. we had no resources, whatever, but like, we loved what we were doing and, and wanted to do it, you know, as a living. And so we just started putting up, um, you know, you know, producing people's shows and producing, you know, writing stuff and then, and then casting it and, and, um, and just sort of creating a a sort of platform and a space for all of our, you know, talented friends that we want, that we really liked and thought were funny. And so it kind of started, so this would have been 2012. Um, we just, um, yeah, we literally just tossed, tossed names around, tossed words around. We're all dog lovers, (laughs) uh, forever seemed, like a cool word um and so we liked that it sounded like a it sounded like a superhero or something. you know it sounds like a thing you know a forever dog and then we, we of course later found out um I, I say we were dog lovers i don't know how we didn't know i, I think this term might this term is like caught on a lot uh, lately i think i don't know how long it goes back but like a forever dog is a thing it's like it's a dog that you commit when you're when you're adopting a dog you commit to adopting it um, forever, right? So, like they say, forever home, yeah. That's yeah, everything. exactly, yeah. forever home, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, we liked that association a lot, that we were someone you could sort of like, you know, um, we we weren't just like going to be this sort of like, I, I don't know, like sort of like a casual production company with sort of casual fans, but that we would we would try to make stuff that people really loved and kind of became an essential part of their lives and stuff that people, you know, projects that people really um doug and so we liked you know we like that forever dog we're, we're loyal to you you're loyal to us um and um yeah so uh but but yeah the the, the real answer is it was just straight up word association putting a <laughs> bunch of words out there and then picking the two that worked that we liked best together
0: well and that makes sense i mean it, it makes sense it's a great name it's very evocative and i think to your point about if there's one word that people throw around uh, throw around when it comes to if you're going to do a podcast it's about consistency do yeah. it consistently, consistent consistent, and which makes so much sense because I know as somebody who is a longtime podcast listener that depending on obviously the level of fandom of the podcast, but if it's a Monday morning and that show is just not in that feed, oh, I'm yeah. like, what is happening? Oh, yeah. you know, it's a weird, genuine, and strong
1: response, particularly for the particularly for the Monday morning ones. I get I will get, yes. you know, i we we have a um. We have a sh- uh, a podcast race chaser, which is like a drag race recap show, yeah. but also sort of a bigger just like fun exploration of the drag world um, hosted by Willem in Alaska to iconic uh, drag queens. And they have a big they have a huge fan base in Australia um, where drag I mean, drag is pop- popular everywhere, but it's particularly popular in Australia. Uh, they just came out with a with a with a uh, drag race down under like a version of drag race for Australian queens. Um, but my point is if that show doesn't come out on time, literally if it doesn't come out like midnight, you know, midnight Pacific time, I start getting, we start getting tweets from people in Australia being like, where is this thing? Where is it? Cause they're all getting up and going to work. And so like, so, um, and and I guess maybe they might even already be at work at that point, but like they, uh, yeah. So it's like definitely those Monday shows, if they are not, if they are not out on time, oh boy, it is, there's a reckoning on Twitter, um, (laughs) I've started just getting out in front of it for double threat and being like, you know, hey, <laughs> it's, <cool. laughs> it's coming soon. Yeah. And then posting a photo of like Hulk Hogan and James Blunt or something just so people <laughs> get confused. And then like, yeah. So um, I try to reassure and then like confuse um, what's happening. And then that, <laughs> tends to, that tends to buy me like two hours. That's fair.
0: Yeah. Th- throw them a confusing bone and maybe they'll focus on that. Yeah. Well, you can do that. I was curious, dude. I guess maybe the nature of podcasting and allows you to geography doesn't matter or it yeah. matters less and less, especially from a recording standpoint. But with the pandemic, did that make you all rethink how to do that? Change your processes? How much of an impact did it have?
1: Yeah, it had a pretty big impact um, because we had going into um, the pandemic, we had studios in New York and LA. Um, mm-hmm. The LA one, we unfortunately had just, had just leased about two months before pandemic. Um, of course. And of course. Yeah. And we will certainly, I think, are going to I've seen certain networks getting back into studio already, which is great. More power to them. I think we are looking to get back into studio like, um, you know, this this fall, uh, this fall into this winter. Um, Mm -hmm. We definitely want to do that. But like to your point. um, Yeah. Like once we sort of saw um how we could kind of recreate the studio through remote means you know through zoom and through shipping people we, we essentially sort of created a mini studio for all of our podcasters like where they were like shipping them equipment and then connecting over zoom and then our you know we have an incredible team of audio engineers who kind of combines everything together and makes it all work but um you know people talked a lot about the, the there being a little bit of magic lost um you know with, with not having everyone in the same room um Maybe to I I didn't really see that. I think maybe to like a, a marginal extent, but like um I, I think we were really able to recreate the studio vibe uh remotely. And so it definitely like, you know, made us think about like, hmm, maybe we don't you know, maybe this is something we can carry into the post pandemic uh even when we're back in studio like for example maybe we don't need quite as big a studio because maybe a lot of people are still going to want to uh do it this way now that they're used to it and now now yeah. they you know they've found that and i think so i think it's like now um this is now like a a a option for us in addition to the studio space so that you know you can do it at home you can do it in the studio that kind of a thing so i think we definitely learned some tricks um in quarantine that we're going to carry into the post quarantine uh, which was very nice um um, yeah. So I don't make,
0: it, it makes total sense too. just, just having to, I guess when you, when you have to figure out how to make the steps to doing the process, when you have to define them and figure them out and then you kind of realize which ones you actually maybe don't need yeah. to allow you to streamline things. And then, yeah, the added flexibility of doing them remotely and doing them over Zoom or, or however the case may be, because it's all become... Uh, very ubiquitous in a in a record amount of time and also i guess thinking about it too that it allows you to get different people that you might not ordinarily have gotten considering this new setup which is as somebody who is speaking to you right now from little rock and you're not in little rock game changer allows this entire thing to happen so it's cannot be underestimated
1: absolutely yeah i think you know it was such a and too once we started using zoom and these remote things it was like oh there was like so many opportunities where this would have been so convenient i mean i think like there have been one or two times for example where we've booked a big guest but they didn't want to drive you know we had a studio in downtown l.a and then we had a studio in echo park and that's not where for the most part that's not where like the rich people live and so like so there was like you know certainly we certainly had like we would book sometimes big guests who are like, yeah, I don't want to drive from Brentwood or Beverly Hills or wherever to uh, Echo Park. Can you just come to my house? And then I would like pack up all of our equipment in a box and go to their house and like set up a little like space in their house and do it. Um, And then, you know, now I'm like, what were we thinking like why don't we just be like (laughs) send them a link and just like you can because like let's be honest they don't want us in their house like they don't want it that was like (laughs) they just didn't want it they didn't want to drive but they also didn't want us in their house and it was just like the lesser of two evils so I was like man why didn't I why don't we why don't we just think to like just send them a zoom link and then you know, the rest of us could all stay in studio and they just zoom in, it would have been totally fine. Um, so there's a lot of like eureka moments like that, or not even eureka, just like, oh boy, we were stupid moments. (laughs) Um, and so that, you know, that was a big one. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was really the biggest one. Um, and then, yeah. And then being able to like, suddenly the whole, uh, country is open to you. You know, you can get guests from anywhere. It's not just, it's not just, um you know local comedians which we love local comedians but it wasn't like you know suddenly everybody's available to you and, and you can book anybody anytime all over the place international whatever um so yeah it was it, it, it's something that should have dawned on us sooner but being in quarantine now and now you know moving back and you about moving back into a studio i think there's definitely this like we don't feel as sort of uh, we don't feel as like limited by the studio space now. The studio space is just kind of a launching pad where we can do like lots of different stuff, um, and that we're looking sense. forward to yeah getting getting into that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess in the case of like double threat with, for example, Martin Short, I'm gonna, like I'm gonna try to inconvenience him as much as humanly possible.
1: Yeah 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 (laughs) right
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) like seemingly like the nicest funniest guy in the world is like yeah let's let's just um do with whatever you want forever
1: and i said it on the show i'll say it again martin short he was he was actually two minutes early audio was perfect he was ready to go nobody has nobody has any excuses nobody has any if martin short (laughs) could be on time with his audio all set up and ready to go nobody has any excuses um and we were able, we were also able to do things that we, that we might not have been able to do, like live show kind of things, live stream kind of things that we weren't able to do. I don't know how we would have done them um, pre-quarantine where, um, and uh, is there any like, I, I, I do you have any like content restrictions on the show in terms of what we can yeah. talk about? Okay. So we did one of my favorite memories from, um, from uh, podcasting during quarantine was we did a, uh, our podcast, Sloppy Seconds, with um, Big Dipper and Meatball. Uh, Meatball <laughs> is an incredible drag queen who famously yeah. has never been on Drag Race because they're too cool for it. Um, and uh, Big Dipper is this amazing... Um, Rapper and comedian who also runs our like drag imprint at forever dog Um, and they have a podcast called sloppy seconds, which is great. You should check it out. It's the funniest thing in the world besides double thread and and all of our other podcasts, Um, (laughs) but uh, they did a live stream um, during quarantine called fist giving. They did it around Thanksgiving and it was a essentially a tutorial. It was like a it was like a sex tutorial about how to how to how to fist how to do fisting um yes. and so we had and had, we had to call it fist giving there was no other uh option <laughs> no. and no. um there ask. was a lot of like stuffing puns that were used as well to, to promote it um but it ended up being great because we literally had this guy who was a fisting specialist he lives i think in florida but he has a like uh um uh, cause he will post videos online, uh, et cetera. And, um, so he has like a whole room in his, uh, in his house that's all set up for this. And so he, he zooms in from his room and then we have big dipper, you know, at his house, meatball at their house. Um, and, and then all of the, you know, and then we just stream it, live stream it, um, to the internet. And, um, And then everybody gets to watch, you know, and so it's like connecting, like not just connecting people, but connecting people's like spaces connecting, you know, like, um, you know, because I I honestly don't know how we would have done that in a theater or something, Uh, you know, uh, there's certainly a way, but it was very cool to see to see everybody kind of on their own terms in their own space connecting together. Uh, for this wild live stream that's very good. I think it's still on Vimeo. I think if you go to Vimeo and search fist giving, it's probably still on there if you want to check that out. Um, It is graphic. It is as as graphic as you would expect. Um, (laughs) But, you know, if you're interested in learning about fisting, there's no better place to start than fist giving.
0: I'm honestly just intrigued by the combination of fisting and specialist because I didn't realize... I mean, it makes. I guess I just never thought about it. It makes sense, but I just love the idea that somebody is out there earnestly with their bona fides at the bottom of an email, which includes, you know, fisting specialists, which is amazing.
1: It was amazing. And he was, the guy who was the main guy was, like, a specialist at, like, bottoming and fisting. And then he had a guy, like, a preferred guy that he works with who is the the fister. And so, like, they were great together. They were super funny and charismatic. Um, And it's, like, honestly, it is, because this is how we kind of, like, presented it, too, so we didn't, because we're also, like, what are the are we going to get, like, shut down for this? Or, like, what's what are the, like, restrictions here? Yeah. Uh, so it's very much, it's presented as, and then ended up being very much like a tutorial. So it's, like... It's 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 you know, it's it's basically pornographic, but it's like but it's it's the the tone of it all is like he tells you all the dynamics of it. He like walks you through his history of it Um, and it is. So if you if you have have, are looking to become better at fisting or are curious about it, this is the definitive source for you and it probably would not have happened if not for quarantine. So um, that's one for the pro column uh, of (laughs) of quarantine is it is that uh, forever dog got to put on fist giving. Presented by Sloppy Seconds.
0: Well, this is perfect because on my Brett Bowen bingo card, I had alt right yeah. and fisting specialists. So, oh, yeah, we're taking them all. We're about to get everything we need.
1: Yeah, and just and just to be clear, uh, you know, the alt right is very much a know your enemy situation. <laughs> I, not, yeah. I have never uh, been in or associated with the alt right, <laughs> yes. uh, but you know, like I said earlier, glutton for punishment. I've always been, you know, I've always been a guy who's like read a lot about, you know serial killers and you know and monsters when i was a kid and now the alt-right is kind of the 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 adult extension of those of those fascinations of like you know just going so deep into the worst thing that you hate um and uh, when it's like
0: understanding just trying to wrap your head around the psychology of a thing that is so foreign to you yeah Yeah, which is uh certainly where i'm at but you said fister and it makes me think of Wally Pfister, the famous cinematographer. Oh yeah, yeah. So, P.F. Right? P.F. So yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, even if that's not how you pronounce it, it is for this sake of this segue. Sure, sure, sure. So, <laughs> to movies, I want, did want to ask you because I know you recently went to bat for The River Wild, which yes. is a really, uh, really underrated <laughs> movie that <laughs> I, I I rewatched it during quarantine. Really holds up and has a low key great cast in it that uh really really love it. I know you're an Alan Partridge fan as was previously mentioned. Big time. He's got I mean that for me is absolute one of the greatest probably characters let alone comedic characters of all time. I cannot yep. express my love for it enough and the new series is amazing. Yep. You also came out as a fan of Topsy-Turvy, which is a movie that feels still somehow underrated it's a masterpiece yeah i
1: think only underrated because of its like criminal inaccessibility it's like and that's kind of what i was posting about where i was like because i'm a huge mike lee fan i did a big sort of mike lee deep dive um uh during quarantine among other deep dives um and uh you know going all the way back to like Time and and high hopes and those early movies um, yeah. up through like you know naked which is like you know which is which which is a very difficult watch but it's just it's just has so much going on in it uh, secrets and lies all you know a lot of great stuff uh but they topsy-turvy was always one of my favorites you know it's one of their i think it was probably their only period piece till until his only period piece until recently he did like He's Vera in two Tur- in a row, yeah. Peter yeah, Lou and, and the other one. P- that's right, Peter Lou, which is great. Uh, Mr. Turner. Um, yes. Uh, but I think Topsy Turvy was probably Mike Lee's first go at a, at, a, at a period piece, and it's just it's just fantastic. It's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, it's about Gilbert and Sullivan kind of at the end of their career um, sort of falling apart, but then coming together one last time to make the Mikado, um, which is... It's amazing. Know, yes, yeah. And, and um, uh, it's a great movie, but it was just never... You know, like Criterion had, like, every Mike Lee movie except Topsy Turvy, it, it seemed like, for a time. And and it wasn't on any of the streaming services and this and that. So, like, it's just a movie that I think is underrated because just no one has access to it or easy access to it. Um, but now that excuse is gone. So go see Topsy Turvy <laughs> on the Criterion channel.
0: It's so good. 100% worth your time. And, and to your point about, like, doing a Mike Lee deep dive, I've been doing relatively lately, but but a lot of, like, a major major 1970s films, 70s films, deep dive like big time yeah. and been watching this year especially, I've I've watched 11 Brian De Palma movies so I've been De Palma-ing it up like crazy Uh, what a fascinating guy, let alone his movies are truly fascinating, fascinating.
1: I think I watched Blowout during quarantine at one point um, uh, which I love um, but yeah, yeah, De Palma's very interesting, there's a good like I, th- I think it's Dick Cavett. I think there, there's there's a there's a YouTube video of him and Scorsese on. on I think it's on Cavett. Um, I think so um, too. Yeah, and it's interesting because De Palma kind of. I feel like he was sort of the elder statesman of that new Hollywood crew to an extent that hasn't been like appreciated. Whereas like, cause now it's like Scorsese's, you know, at the top of the pyramid and, 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 and then for like box office, you know, Spielberg and Lucas and yeah. those guys that came out of that group. But you can tell in this cabinet appearance. And I think from what I've read that a lot of those guys like look to Brian De Palma as kind of like the leading as a luminary of that group. Um, uh, cause he definitely has sort of taken charge of the conversation and you can almost see Scorsese sort of, hesitantly sort of deferring to him you also see like a (laughs) little bit of you you always see like a little bit of competitive stuff too between those all those guys so it's a it's a mix between like deferring to him and like you can see his like competitive wheels turning as well but um yeah yeah i love De palma
0: he's a fat just in and of it just him by himself let alone obviously his movies are he's utterly fascinating and this very physically imposing and also just like alpha type guy yeah very intimidating for a lot of people and uh, definitely obviously to, to your point like a more dominant personality type than scorsese or or his best friend spielberg yep which i think also though that also that goes both ways and sure. he really i mean his career was almost ruined for a time and i say that i'm reading the book the devil's candy all about the making of the bonfire of the vanities Oh my God! Yeah. an amazing it's it's the uh writer of the book she asked De palma before he like when he was in pre-production or when maybe it was announced that he'd be the director if she could follow him throughout the entire process and he said yes so it's truly an inside look at from the beginning to end of it and um while also contextualizing about giving backstory on De palma and all the players involved it's a fascinating read it's so good
1: yeah and i think um I would love to read that. And I wonder, I mean, this might be an unfair comparison, but I do, we were talking about David O. Russell last week on Double Thread. And I think there are yeah. these directors who just are, you know, I think my favorite directors like Mike Lee are people who can um, sort of, you know, they treat the film as a collaboration. They're they're in charge, but they're able to like, sort of step back and like, like, uh, you know, take, take their hands off the reins a little bit. And that yeah. seems to me, that creates the most interesting dynamics in movies. Um, uh, but then you have guys, I think like De Palma, like, like David or Russell, who are just really, they're just such big personalities for better or for worse. They're control freaks or this and they're that. And I think it just creates these much more like up and down careers where like, sometimes it just all that, all of that clicks and it all works. But then, but then it's just as likely for them to have like a disastrous movie where like, n- you know, all the, per- everybody clashes and there's nobody there, you know, there's nobody there to sort of like. Ease the tension and get everybody on the same page yeah. because the director is is as volatile as as everybody else. And so, um, yeah, I feel I, to me feel De Palma's career feels like like you know a guy like that who is like you know he's a big personality and he's a control freak and sometimes it all works and sometimes it just doesn't.
0: <laughs> and man, I, I'm fascinated by him too because even when the movie just does not work, it's still fascinating oh, because sure. he's just so operatic and and obviously Hitchcockian. and. It's fascinating, but I think to your point, I was reading yesterday about Kubrick and how, oh, for yeah, example, cinematographers, <laughs> yeah, no joke, like the most controlling possibly ever, and how cinematographers, for example, hated working with him because he would set the camera up himself and ha- say exactly what he wanted them to do, and he just had them do the lighting part, which even then, he Oof. told them what he wanted. Yeah. So it was like, there was no real artistry in that, you know, at all, because there's no interpretation, no collaboration, And I guess when somebody like a De Palma or a Kubrick are having a bad day, there there is no checks and balances. So the movie could be an absolute wash
1: at that point. Yeah, and, and if you go back to like, you know, the, the counter example is like, you know, Citizen Kane, dum-dum-dum, but like, you know, it like that, I mean, Wells literally shares his closing title card with Greg Tolan, the director of photography, because he was like, we made this movie together. Like I did, I, I literally, and, and of course a lot of it is like, Wells like literally didn't know how to make movies Um, and so he's like literally just like you know going to the lot to RKO and like binging movies and asking Tolan him Tolan to like tell him what he's what he's seeing Um, but then he like wanted to do things that weren't possible and so Tolan like literally like is inventing things like deep focus and stuff like that like during the making of the movie so that that to me those to me are like the most you know I've you know there there are of course tons of great movies that are like auteur movies or whatever but like i've always thought the auteur thing was so silly and dumb and it's like it's like it's a it's a it's not a book it's a movie it's like literally this like technical yeah. creation that you are just one of many people involved in um and so yeah i've I've always loved that like that that uh you know citizen k is an example of that of where he has this like you know wells is like the you know going you know we were talking about this before the um uh, recording, but like Wells is like the Steve Jobs, and then like Toland is his like Wozniak, right? You've got like you've got the guy who has the vision, and then you've got the guy who knows the technical aspects, and and is and is to a degree an artist himself. And so, um, and I, that may be the only time Steve Wozniak's been called an artist. So <laughs>
0: okay, outside of record. him say, outside yeah. of him saying it himself, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, he, yeah. 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 the only time somebody else is called Steve Wozniak, an artist, <laughs> the Woz, yeah, oh Woz. From uh, as known to generations of people or generation of people as that interesting, I guess, eccentric guy from Dancing with the Stars, so there is yes.
1: That. Oh my gosh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I always it's funny because we always use that this analogy. We always, I always, I, <laughs> I always shoehorn this analogy into like um, you know, um, uh, you know, planning discussions and stuff at our company, but like, was is like you know, because the the. What? like that company apple would have folded if it was just Steve Jobs early on because he's like yeah. coming up with all these like you know ridiculous ideas that are implausible and they don't make any money and then Steve, and then Wozniak you know created the Apple IIc, c which was their like workhorse computer that like that brought in all of their revenue and so that's always like you know been a kind of like model that I've looked at where it's like You've got to. If you want to take like a risk on something, you need an Apple IIc to like balance it out. You need like you need you know each idea has to come together where you can't like you know have one without the other or or you know the company falls apart. Yeah, or um, you'll have yeah. a Lisa computer for example. Right. Yeah. Exactly. To yeah.
0: that, which is like in no way practical, but just is probably too far ahead of its time for what the technology allowed. But yeah.
1: And I also want to be clear as for the all right thing. I think billionaire you know billion dollar and trillion dollar companies are immoral and they've, they've fucked up our entire economy and and exploded the the you know the wealth and equity gap but that being said they like just as as a loose template i've always had that in my yes. mind of like the apple to you got to have the apple to see if you want to if you want to you know take three days and and spin a bunch of you know you know strange ideas in your head you need to have the the the, the, the firm foundation as well
0: no, and it makes complete sense. The last question I do want to ask you before we wrap it up. We've gone over what I promised, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. But and keep it with the movie thing. What is your favorite movie, or what do you? What What is your stock answer for that
1: at least? Oh, that's a great question. You know, for a long time. Um... All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a wild one here because, like, for okay. for for a long time, um, I I I would say the Third Man, uh, that movie, um yeah because uh, because actually going back to what we um what we were just talking about the third man uh, like is the is the like epitome of a collaborative film where it's like you get all these people together and they are all just operating at like at peak performance level where you have you know graham green the famous novelist wrote the wrote the script you have carol reed the great director you know at, at the peak of his abilities uh orson welles acts in it but also like you know if you ask him he was also rewriting a lot of his lines and like moving the camera around and stuff um uh and then um alita valley who's a great actress um joseph cotton um you know doing his thing trevor howard so many great supporting characters and you have this like what is pretty rare for a lot of old movies just this um, incredible on-location um uh filmmaking in vienna after the war when it's all like bombed out and and you know at like peak noir kind of you know level um and so i i love i love that movie i love the the ending i remember like watching it for the first time and as i'm watching it i was like this might be my favorite movie i've ever seen i just this is like it's like funny it's like noir it's mysterious it's like dark you know you get the famous like cuckoo clock speech up in the ferris wheel from from morrison wells when he's talking about like you know which is like one of the great villain speeches of all time Um, and that he said he like made up you know himself which whatever who knows but um (laughs) so as i'm watching it the first time i remember being like this might be my favorite movie ever and then when the ending comes which is one of the best endings ever and i won't give it away but it is not a happy ending it is a very like unresolved ambiguous kind of you know um you know uh leave it open kind of ending when the ending happened, I was like, oh yeah, that's my favorite movie ever. As soon as, as soon as, you know, the ending, you know, happens. Um, So for a long time, I said the third man, and I'm still very happy with that answer. I will say my, like my during quarantine, I watched, I'd I'd seen it like several times. I always loved it, but something about it hit me during quarantine where I was like, that might be like my personal, because third man for me very much is like, it's just I love it at a personal level, but it's also just to me like a masterpiece, and I just sort yeah. of watch it. But like at a, at, a, at a strictly personal level, I watched Sexy Beast during quarantine, amazing. Um, and I was like, I was like, oh, this is like this is just this is just like <laughs> this is just like the the most fun I ever have watching a movie is is watching Sexy Beast, and like and the most fun and the most and I mean that in a lot of different ways, but like there was just something about that movie that I feel like I'd seen a bunch, I loved it. But something about this last screening really clicked for me. And I was like, and it's also like a fun, like the third man, you kind of roll your eyes at. And I get that. Uh, I, I swear to you, though, I've watched it more times than I can count. I actually have seen it in, in um, I might have said Venice before I meant Vienna. Um, I've actually seen it in Vienna. They like, they, I don't know if they still wow. do, this, do this, but they like, there's a theater that plays it like 24 hours a day on a loop. Um, and so wow. I've seen it in Vienna. Like I'm a major, major third man fan. I get though that's kind of an eye roller. Um, and so, like, the, the less I really answer, the more, like, you know, you know, fun answer for me would be Sexy Beast. So, t- take your That's pick. A great, one or the other.
0: That They're scratching two very different itches. Yes. Two different movies that could still be one answer for that question. Yeah. But, you know, like, uh, it's funny that, not to go too long about it, but Jonathan Glazer has done. Yeah. Well, three movies. Uh, he did Birth and then Sexy Beast and then a movie that I've never seen anything like before, which is i think one of the best movies of the 28th 21st century and under the skin cannot recommend that enough it is so unbelievably unique somehow you know 80 years or however and 100 years after movies began it's wild it movies unbelievable
1: it's incredible he yeah he just like i mean what a dream career to just be able to sort of pick your projects like that um I, speaking of i definitely want to rewatch. i've been meaning to rewatch birth um i remember it like not sort of clicking for me the first time i saw it and i never went back to it but um particularly after he did i remember being like uh, oh, maybe sexy beast was kind of a fluke um but yeah. then when he does when he did under the skin i was like yeah i gotta go back and watch birth again um <laughs> i
0: rewatched it during quarantine and yeah and i had the same response where yeah. maybe i just didn't watch it on the wrong day or maybe i just it I just wasn't, uh, for lack of a better word, ready for it. And I rewatched it, and it's unbelievable. It's amazing. Okay, it's like, good. oh, yeah, Perfect. this wasn't Perfect. a... Perfect. Of course it wasn't a fluke, but to be able to rewatch it and kind of experience that for yourself, it yeah, it's fantastic.
1: Oh, that's great to know. That's great to know. And I love, like, I also kind of felt the need to come up with a sexy beast answer to that question because... Um, you know, last week on Double Thread, Julie Klausner shared some of her her canonical films in the Julie Klausner canon. Yeah. And like, I just love the way she approaches that question, of like what your favorite film is, because there is like no, there's just like no, she's not trying to seem a certain way. There's no pretension to it. Um, you know, you're not trying to like, what what's the best answer? She, you can tell that she's just like she's just like telling you her favorite films. These are just like the films that have like, that are my personal favorites and they're all great movies, but the list is so idiosyncratic and so uniquely her that I just love that approach. Um, And so, yeah, so I'll say, um, uh, Third man in the sheets, sexy beast in the streets, or like I don't know, what, 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 or maybe the opposite. I don't know. I never. I'd say
0: sexy beast in the street, in the sheets sounds more appropriate. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're anything, right. You're from right. right. Phraseology standpoint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't know if I'd want to get in the yeah. sheets sheets with that movie. Holy God! Oh my God! If you haven't seen it, by the way, I haven't even like talked about it. But if you if you haven't seen Sexy Beast, I, I really don't want to tell you anything about it, except that like. It's just got some incredible performances. Ben Kingsley, obviously, was the most notable performance. Um, and he said, I won't tell you anything. This is all I'll tell you about it is that Ben Kingsley said in an interview, um, that when he was in character, uh, because I guess he's like pretty one of these pretty method guys, but so when yeah. he was like in character as his uh character, um, uh, uh who's like a gangster that's that's uh, i guess that that's kind of a loose you know reference point um he caught sight of himself in the mirror in character and he said he was terrified to his soul at what he saw in the mirror and that mm-hmm. it's like always like remained with him and haunted him like this this character that he like created that's um, amazing yeah and so that's all i will say you also get a great w- ray winstone performance there's like a sort of late late uh late game Ian McShane performance that's like not quite a cameo but not quite a full supporting role um there's just so much good stuff in it um it's filmed in such an interesting way incredible use of music I think it starts off with um Peaches by the Stranglers like over the opening credits um as Ray Winstone almost gets hit by a boulder uh in, in his like swimming pool so like that's all you need to know go watch Sexy it's East.
0: yeah it is fantastic and um I guess the one thing to say to say about Ben Kingsley's performance is, you have to be okay with both very specific uh, coarse language and also a very inventive combination of coarse language. Oh yes. So yes, that yes. that can not be underestimated. Truly, not even in a world, you know, Tarantino esque world of cursing. No, like truly, it goes above and beyond. So there is that. It's amazing. It really is. It is. It
1: is truly a, a, a film that explores the, the limits of obscenity and, and really like explores <laughs> yes. the, the full kind of range of, of, of obscene language. Um, and uh, Don Logan. Don Logan is Ben Kingsley's character. I was having a brief mental lapse there. But yeah, so Don Logan is, is to me, one of, the great, one of the great cinematic characters of all time. And the movie as a whole is just, it's just so interesting and, and cool. It's amazing.
0: It, it really is. And, um, first of all, thank you again for doing this. this of course. Is really, my pleasure. This is a delight. What all do you want to point people toward?
1: Oh yeah. Um, you can check out forever dog at forever dog podcasts.com. We've got a lot of fun stuff, uh, over there. Uh, of course, double threat, which we've been talking about a, a lot comes out on Mondays. Um, we also have an incredible imprint of, uh, Drag-related podcasts called Mom Moguls of Media. So that's Race Chaser, Sloppy Seconds, very, That, The Chop, Um, uh, High Jinx with Jinx Monsoon. A lot of great stuff, uh, on Mom, particularly if you're a fan of drag queens. And if you're not, wake up and get with the freaking music. Drag queens are incredible. They are at the forefront of culture. Uh, they're funnier than 99% of comedians, uh, and they're yeah. more fashionable than 99% of fashionable people. So, um so uh get get on board and you can start with with all the podcasts we have on our on our mom imprint, uh and we've got some classic stuff we're actually we actually are coming up on our five year anniversary of forever dog uh in august and so we're going to be going back and highlighting some of our sort of classic shows we've done um so stuff like a woman's smile with patty harrison and lorelei ramirez um, uh, a great uh, limited series we did called Fuck Hut Music School for Teens. That's the actual title. Uh, but it was cre- created by Mitra, the very town of Mitra Juhari. Yeah. Uh, the Underculture with James Adomian, Three Swings with Rhea Butcher. Uh, a lot of great stuff uh, in, in the back catalog for you to explore. Um, and yeah, if you're a Double Threat fan, uh, start there and then go on our website and check out other stuff.
0: Yeah, there is absolutely something for everyone. It, very impressively curated stuff. So I... Couldn't recommend them enough. So many good things. Thank you all for listening. Please take care. Please get vaccinated if you're not vaccinated. Wear a mask. I mean, just be safe. Do ride by yourself, but also do ride by others. Take care. Stay safe. Bye.